Ladies and gentlemen, get ready for the boom. Welcome to a new episode of Down and Off with Tim Clay and John Brown, or shall we say, episode three, part deux. We originally had planned on having two guests in episode three, but Jeff Sibbles and Laura Siebert's conversations were so good when we talked with them, we couldn't cut a thing from either one of them, and we wanted each of these interviews and conversations to stand alone. So for this episode, we have Laura Siebert joining us, who brought us last year's fun post-parade cookout, the great t-shirt and hoodie designs, and she has shown her talents in making bell covers and face coverings, but she's got a couple of really cool stories that she's going to share with us uh, that I think you're going to enjoy. If you did miss Jeff's conversation from episode three, part one, uh, make sure you go out to your favorite podcast purveyor and download today. We're on, I believe, Apple and Spotify and Stitcher, is it? And so check your your podcast purveyors for the Down and Off podcast and download them today. So without further ado, we're going to go right down and off. Welcome back to the Down and Off podcast with John Brown and Tim Clay. Our next guest was with the Hawkeye Marching Band at the start of the millennium. She's an active member of the alumni band and works for a nonprofit arts council in Quincy, Illinois. She did a fabulous job last year arranging on her own some nifty alumni band homecoming shirts and an excellent grill out after the homecoming parade. And she has two big stories to tell us today. So, Laura Sievert, welcome. Welcome aboard the Down and Off podcast. Hi there. Go Hawks. (laughs) It's nice to be here. We're glad you could join us. We're just going to dig right in and and start start with all the questions and the grilling and all of that. Sure. Um, So just for the audience at home, tell us a little about the basics of who you are, instrument you played, when you were in the band, what was your major, and a little bit about what you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I uh, started uh, Hockey Marching Band in the year 2000. Senior year of high school, I thought, hey, those band kids look like they're having a lot of fun. And I picked up the clarinet. That was terrific. Had a good time. Marched to Star Wars show in high school. Thought, okay, might as well audition for the Hawkeye Marching Band on the clarinet. And a, a funny story uh, about that is I, I decided because if I was going to be in a Big Ten band, you guys were big time, right? So I thought I'd do a camp my senior, my senior year of high school and my freshman college. I actually went to Bloomington Normal and Bands of America camp, and a lot of people have a familiarity with that. Um, there was a tornado. <laughs> I, I was pushed down a flight of stairs during a tornado by a trombone player. That is a true story. <laughs> and, um Darn and trombone figured, players oh my god <laughs> they cause me problems to this day i i um i broke my wrist and my fingers so i broke three fingers and my wrist this is three days before i'm supposed to audition for the hockey marching band <laughs> anyway so i call castings i don't know him from anybody and i say listen i can't play the clarinet i can't even hold the clarinet right now uh can i can i audition for this later and he's like well yeah let me just talk to your director and I'll just talk to him and we'll see. And so he, he allowed me to kind of enter the band without 
ever hearing me play uh, without auditioning at all with intentions of having me audition eventually. <laughs> I did eventually play the fight song for Caston, so that counts as an audition. So somewhere along the line as a, as a clarinet player, I, uh, I noticed that it was not the loudest instrument in the band. And of course, uh, louder is, is always better in marching band, right? Is that true? you find that to be the case? Yeah. <laughs> and um, at the time we were, were low on mellophones and uh, Mr. Kassens actually uh, suggested that I try out the mellophone, um, handed me a mellophone and said, hey, learn the fight song by next week and you can be a mellophone player. And I said, hey, I've never played brass, but you know, let's do it. Let's have a challenge. And so I spent a, a whole week uh, annoying my uh, dorm mates, uh, learning the fight song on the mellophone and uh, learning scales for the first time and what brass was for the first time. And I went back and sure enough, played the fight song for Mr. Gastons. And he said, yeah, that'll work. That'll be good. Uh, <laughs> and that had everything to do with instrumentation at the time. You know, um, the better the football team is, the better the band recruits. And at the time we had had a couple of hard years. So certainly we were looking for those bodies on the field and, uh, and it was a great fit. Uh, love that section. I think all, all of us feel a lot of affinity to our instruments and our sections. Uh, each section of the band kind of has a vibe and uh, mellophones we just get along with everybody right we're just we're easy going um, nothing but love for the clarinets too but and the mellophone was the right place for me so i absolutely loved everybody in it and and uh certainly uh it was a great fit for me so okay now that you've graduated uh what do you do now today so uh, today I am the executive director of America's First Arts Council. It's called Arts Quincy and it's uh, based in Quincy, Illinois. Um, it's about two hours north of St. Louis, Missouri on the Illinois side of the river. Um, but really one of my major functions is to be a voice for the arts in rural America. As America's First Arts Council, um, the founder of my organization actually founded the Illinois Arts Council, the Americans for the Arts. He was part of the establishment of the um, National Endowment for the Arts. So really kind of a titan of, of, um, of organizing on behalf of the arts. So I sort of um, walk in those very uh, formidable footsteps and uh, try to give rural America kind of a voice at this table because so much um, of arts and culture seems to um, be located inside of metros. But of course we know that amazing art and amazing artists and musicians can come from anywhere. So um, really one of my major functions is to be that voice on these rural, uh, from rural America to uh, the decision makers in the, in the art sphere. So um, it's been a terrific job. I've been here for getting on close to five years. Um, and uh, I love it. I love nonprofit life and I, I, I find development to be a lot of fun um, and just being able to uh, stay in the arts or come back to the arts really for a professional uh, career has been um, terrific. And I, and I think about my time in the Hawkeye Marching Band is helping me get here. So um, certainly uh, it, it uh, kept that love for the arts alive. Good, and we may come back to that later as a follow-up question. So when you reached out, one of the stories you wanted to talk about was how the Hawkeye Marching Band really supported you and helped you in a, in a very tough time in your life uh, with family. Please talk to us a little bit about your story. Yeah, you know, I think when anybody goes into a big school, they're looking for a place to fit in and that they need support and um, to find a place that they feel loved. And um, and that was certainly the case for me and just about anybody else that was entering the band. Um, but um, I had uh, the uh, really difficult experience of my mom being diagnosed with cancer um, my second day in the Hawkeye marching band. So I was at band camp during Hell Week and I got a phone call and... Uh, um, you know, she was only my age. She was 38 
when she was diagnosed um, with stomach cancer, which is a super rare women, especially young women don't get this type of cancer. And this is uh, Hell Week, so we had more than one rehearsal a day. I guess it was probably two a days. So I don't really remember that part, but I remember thinking, I have to go back to that field, and I don't know how to to be. You know, I I didn't know how to cope with the rest of my day, much less the rest of the year. And um, I went in, and everybody said, I think I think Dan Sorcy actually, uh, which a lot of people people know Dan, um, said to me, "You look like you've seen a ghost." And I said, "Well." <laughs> You know, I just found out that my mom has cancer um, and it's a bad one, you know, and I had only been at school. I'd only been at Iowa for three or four days. You know, it was an incredibly crazy time. Um, and uh, it was it was one of those moments where I didn't know if I was going to stay. I didn't know what it meant. And I had a lot of questions that had no answers at that point. Um, but that section, that clarinet section, I mean, I think immediately group hugs, right? I mean, I think immediately they're like, we're here for you. They don't even know me yet. I'm brand new. <laughs> I'm just a freshman. I'm, I'm still probably wearing my high school class ring and thinking, I, how can I be here, right? Um, and they were there for me immediately. And I, I don't think I can ever repay what a, what a big deal it was just that day. Um, but same thing. I went in, I told my, my grad staffer and I told uh, Mr. Castens there in the beginning and I said, I don't know what it means. I don't know what it means for rehearsals or games or anything else. I don't know. And they said, all right, we'll stick with you. You know, we'll, we'll help you as much as we can. And uh, she, she had treatments all that first year. Um, she did well with them for a while. Um, but she ultimately did pass away the next year. So she passed away my sophomore year in the middle of the season. It was the end of October. And uh, the day that... Look at me, I'm getting all teary. <laughs> um, the day that I found out that, um, that, or the day that I came back, she passed away and I went back for the funeral and all that. Um, I ha actually was a, an away game that week, so we uh, didn't have a game, but I came back and Castens had everybody gather around the podium, around the, what do I want to say, the scaffolding out in the field, right? Uh, tower. The tower. <laughs> and <laughs> the little wobbly thing next to the wobbly field um and he's he's he told him he said you know laura's mom passed away and because everybody by then had known about the struggles i'd been back and forth and all of those things um and i got a you know 225 member hug and you know when i think of why am i involved in alumni band and why do you guys mean so much to me and why does this program mean so much to me i'm i'm not the only one to have that experience like you never know when disaster is going to strike in your life, but the Hawkeye marching band are people who will be there for you from the day you walk on that field to the day you die. I mean, here I am. I've been graduated for 15 years and I still have people, you know, remember, remember my mom or remember she was at uh, a game. She was at one game. You guys, she went to one game. Can I tell you about that? Yes, please. <laughs> we were just talking about this. Um, it was versus who, Tim? Help me. Uh, Michigan State. Michigan State. Was it or the Northwestern game? No, it was Michigan State. You're right. It was Michigan State. Okay. Um, in the year 2000, we only won three games. We just looked this up. Um, we only won three games, and two of them were away. Or no, one of them was an away game, which is Penn State. But she came to Michigan State, and 
<laughs> this is how bad it was. We had been playing so badly as a football team that I didn't even like know the fight songs completely memorized at this point because we hadn't been playing them enough to know them, you know. Um, but we won and she was there and I have this picture of me in the stands holding my clearing up, clearing it up in the air with my, my hat on backwards for the first time. It was our first win, you know, and, uh, and she got to celebrate that with us and, uh, it was just terrific. And, um, I think that I'll always treasure that and I'll always treasure everybody in the marching band that was there for me that at time. And, um, you know, to, I think everyone has a story, maybe not that dramatic of losing a parent at that time especially a young parent, you know, she was 40 when she passed away. Um, but everybody has a story of how the band was there for them in a hard moment. And those people are still in their lives. And that's why I love it. And we all went through a lot together. You know, um, you know, you might take this on a little more deeply in a future episode, but I was also in the band during 9-11. You know, that was right before all of this. And the band, we all sort of coped with that together. Uh, we missed the Iowa State game. It was postponed. There was a lot going on at that time. Um, and we all coped with a really hard time in the universe, really, um, uh, together. And I know each class, you know, the class that just graduated, uh, for instance, has gone through all this COVID stuff. And they're going to be there for each other the way that we were for each other during 9-11. Or, you know, each of those eras has their moment. Uh, and I think uh, that's what I, when I think band family, that's what I think. I'm sorry. Sappy story. I got blow my nose. Oh, that was <laughs> wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. <laughs> Do you have a story like that? I don't want to like hog that. Are you, is the band your family? Absolutely. I, mm-hmm. my, so yeah, um, absolutely. My, uh, my dad has had some health issues over the years. And after I graduated, my sister and I kind of became his caretaker. I uh, kind of assumed that role. And I know there was one winter a couple years ago that he had a stroke and it was, he was in the hospital right around the holidays and we weren't entirely sure what was going on. And uh, alumni pet band was coming up and I can't remember if I was directing or playing at the time, but I was really looking forward to it. And we were just at the hospital every day waiting for the doctors and my sister and my mom said like, you know, there's nothing more we can do at the moment. We're just waiting for the doctors to tell us something and they're still trying to figure stuff out. So go to Iowa city, go enjoy the alumni pep band. And it it was a really great trip. Drove over. Um, It was awesome to be with the band just to, you know, get in that zone and be a part of that group playing music, uh, you know, cheering the team on electrifying the crowd. Um, and just, it was a good sense of fellowship and it was really needed. And, uh, uh the band absolutely was there. Um, and of course the band's always there. And John, same. Making sure I wasn't muted. Um, you know, it, there were, there was a small group of us that, you know, I was living in Des Moines after I graduated and it seemed like when different things happened, um, I could go over to Iowa city even just for a weekend and hang with them. Jose Gallardo in particular, I could call him and say, Jose, I know one weekend. I remember Friday morning, Jose, I just got laid off. And by that evening I was in Iowa city. Um, a couple years before that, my parents were, um, going through a fairly long, uh, divorce period. And again, Jose was there of every time. It's like, I gotta get out of town. I can't, I can't handle this. And, um, so I, you know, a couple hours later I'm in Iowa city and, 
it was like, you know, I could get away from it for a, you know, a few days and, and be, you know, hang out with him, hang out. You know, sometimes some of the others were around and, and we were able to, to do some fun stuff, but, um, so probably more of it is after I graduated and, and had some of those kind of tougher experiences early on after college. But, um, you know, he, he was, he was the guy that was, that was always there when, uh, when, when I'd hit a, a speed bump like that. And I think that's true of all of us. I mean, we all have those, those stories and the older we get, um, the more privileged I feel to come back and march in alumni band. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a terrible mellophone player now. I mean, to be honest, <laughs> it, it turns out that mellophone isn't really in demand outside of marching band. Who knew? Uh, <laughs> but we go back and we have fun and we see our people and we meet new people, um, you know, and they're my family too. Uh, a, a kid works for me now uh, named Ryan McElroy and he graduated in the, in this year, 2020, uh, in December. And he's a trumpet player from the HMB and he's a screamer too. Let me tell you, that kid can play. <laughs> Um, but, uh, he had a job all lined up. He has a degree in theatrical lighting design. He had a job all lined up and COVID went like this and, uh, killed theater. I mean, honestly, theater is in such a bad place right now. And I knew him because he didn't turn downstairs at, at our theater. And, and, uh, I lost my office assistant and my programs manager, uh, right at the same time. And I was like, I've got an opening. It's not what you do, but it's certainly something you could do. And, and uh, you know, I'm glad to be there for this, this kid who's got, who's kind of dealt this bummer of a hand, you know, uh, graduating into perhaps the worst job market ever. Um, but terrific guy, smart and uh, doing a great job for me as an employee. Um, but you know, it's that band family connection. That's why we talked in the first place. That's how I knew him from downstairs. And um, I can't wait to see him out in the alumni band field. We, first of all, we need the trumpet screamers. Those young guys gotta come back. <laughs> I gotta show it for us. Um, but I, I think that just continues throughout the generation. So he's, you know, 15 years younger than, uh, oh gosh, 15, 20, I don't know, a lot younger than me. And there are people a lot older than me, but we all share this common experience and this common family feel of what the band means to us. So um, I like that. I like that about the band. Very cool. There's another story or that uh, we wanted to make sure that we talked with you about and uh, something that you had did that you had done. Sorry. Um, was you revived the PR position for the Hawkeye marching band. And uh, I can remember PR guys when I was in the band back in the eighties, but I didn't realize it went away for a period of time. So I understand that you were uh, integral in bringing it back. So talk to us about that. You know, yeah. So, so um, uh, public relations was uh, Johnny Gilbert had been doing pictures for a long time for the band and taking pictures for us, selling pictures and that kind of continued, but we went on an away trip to Michigan and um, I don't remember what got me talking to somebody. Probably it was probably another mellophone in their band. Um, but they were uh, a paid position within the Michigan band to put out press releases and to be the voice of the band. And I was like, well, wait, Michigan can't have that if we don't have that. That can't be. A th that's not right. <laughs> Forget Michigan and your brand new horns and your, you know, <laughs> They're new, new uniforms every two and a half weeks or whatever they get. New and I said, you know, we can have that too. So um, we got together uh, with just an amazing little crew. It was Kevin Black, um, Jennifer Yarber, and myself, and Johnny Gilbert, uh, who is just one of the most fabulous people who's ever lived. 
Um, and we decided we were going to just take this by storm. So Kevin started doing videography. Um, I did writing. So I actually put together press releases and press kits. And I made connections with Gary Dolphin and with uh, all the folks from Hawk Vision. And we started feeding them information, right? What's, what's coming up in the show? What's interesting about the band? T tell them about the Golden Girl. Talk about, um, you know, Press Maxson was the, the DM at the time, the drum major at the time. And, you know, talk about the fabulously talented Press Maxson. So I gave them this information. And um, it was a one-page sheet of paper. Um, and usually had a picture of the show or something on the back of it and this information. And all of a sudden, the radio feed of the game and even the TV feed would start dropping in these little nuggets about the band that they were reading right off of the sheet that I was making. Um, and, you know, I think that's a really big deal uh, for them to both have that information and be able to like highlight the band in that way. We had to give it to them. Um, for me personally, we just, um, it was so cool. I got to go up in the press box every game and I got to, you know, lay those all out. Uh, this is the old press box. So this is right before they built the new press box. And, uh, you know, we scored a touchdown and the whole thing would shake. <laughs> I mean, it was terrific. Uh, you felt like you were still in the game, let me tell you. Um, but uh, I, I like to think that it was a, a big deal for the band at the time. And I was making those, you know, in my little apartment, uh, in, in my little, with a compact presario, this enormous computer, like I think about as a graphic designer now, what my, my machine looks like, and it's nothing like that. Uh, but uh, I think it was a big deal. And now, you know, of course, this is like something that the band does on the regular and they put out that information and um, that's just expected part of it. And that was what we had hoped, you know, when we started to grow that team, we had hoped it would be a paid position. We'd hoped there was going to be a Kathy Ford out there. So, um, you know, that was the, that was, but that was really just because I was mad that Michigan had something we didn't have. Still mad about it. <laughs> I feel like that's a pretty good motivator. Absolutely. Um. <laughs> And, and, you know, it was, it was a terrific experience. I certainly, I worked in marketing right at, you know, that was my first jobs out of, out of college. I actually ran marketing for a huge 10 statewide Hallmark chain. And, um, you know, that's where I got my marketing start and uh, right there at the hockey marching band. You know, there is one thing that we have over Michigan. I mean, there's a lot of things, but go ahead. Well, the, the one, the one that I love the most is the fact that Jim Harbaugh has yet to win a game in Kinnick stadium, player or coach. Yes. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Um, I do want to share, uh, I was, uh, the wonderful Tim Clay, this is going to be audio, but he's got a great picture of my favorite game ever um, right behind him, uh, which is the catch. Um, and so I had graduated by this time, and but I was still in the band as PR person. So this is my, this is 2005, four, four season, right? But it was New Year's, so it was, at any rate. <laughs> I was doing PR for the band um, and I was running around the stadium down there for the, for that game. And we had been in control of that game a long time and, uh, and it was going well, but then it started to get close at the, towards the end there. And I'm standing on the sideline next to uh, the president of the university at the time, which is Dr. D uh, David Scorton and uh, to Herky, who I am fairly sure was Chris Hammer at the time and myself. And then the trophy for the game was right behind us. And uh, LSU scored. And uh, as they scored, uh, the president of the university might have dropped a small obscenity. And, and I looked at him and he's like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I said, well, that's all right, you know. And he said, I'm going to go up the tunnel. I don't want to be here if we're going to lose it. And I said, no, no, there's time. There's time. We could, we'll, we'll get down the field. We'll, we'll get a field goal. We'll tie it up. It'll be great. We'll go to overtime. 
And uh, I mean, everybody knows what happens next, right? We have a nice one, one or two little nice plays, and then we have uh, uh, we the clock is running, and the entire stadium is losing their minds trying to call a timeout for Kirk Ferentz. Like we're like, call the timeout. I love Gary Dolphin's call of that game, right? He's like, they're not going to call a timeout. This is going to be the last play of the game. They don't even know it, you know. And um, anyway. History happens, right? The, the ball floats over there. Holloway looks as surprised as anybody that, that it's coming at him. Uh, the LSU bench is in like various stages of horror and like watching this happen to them. He catches the ball. He just magically floats into the end zone. And uh, the three of us, Herky and David Scorton and I, like launch off the ground into each other's arms. And uh, somebody from the Des Moines Register actually snapped a picture of this, all three of us off the ground in front of that trophy. <laughs> and it was printed that week. Um, uh, but man, what a game, you know? And I was so blessed to be there and to, to share it with, with the band and be a part of that PR crew that, that was down there. I was really uh, quite, I could go to football games the rest of my life and there's not gonna be another one like that. No, there is not. That was. A finish for the ages, for sure. Did you have a particular show that was your favorite over all of them that you did? Ooh, best show. I have kind of two answers to that because there were there were two really amazing moments. One of my favorites um, was really a rehearsal. So we used to rehearse in Voxman, right? And we had that little room that was like a third of the size of what you needed for that band, right? We were like crammed into that room. It was <laughs> one of my early rehearsals and it's Thriller. So we did Caston's arrangement of Thriller. And he's, we haven't read it, so this was just the sight read of it. And he's like, this part is really, really quiet. This first eight bars or whatever is really, really quiet. Then I want you guys to play as loud as you can at this measure. And which, you know, the band is like, you, did you say that? Because we're going to do that. <laughs> like, do you understand what you just asked us to do? Because we're just, we're going to do that. So anyway, it starts off like, do, 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 do. And then, ba -da! Da, 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 you know, huge brass, just wall of sound as loud as this band can play. And everybody, nobody played another note. They just did those five notes or whatever. And then everybody just erupted in cheers. <laughs> We're like, it was such an amazing, and it was, it was like one of my first games, you know? So I was like, oh, this band is so cool. I can't believe I'm in it. <laughs> so that thriller one will always be really special to me. Um, the one after 9-11 also was really special because we did a, a joint show with, with ISU and all of patriotic tunes. But I would be remiss if I didn't mention um, Sean Harris's show. He was a terrific grad staffer. I still am in touch with him. He did a show with, uh, it was like an 80s show. And uh, the, the highlight of it for me was Crazy Train. And uh, the band uh, did the I, 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 <laughs> you know. Um, and uh, it was a terrific show, good dance moves, uh, and uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a really, really great show. My first show was memorable too. My first show, uh, for, for those out there that might remember it, was actually not at Kinnick. It was at, uh, at uh, Arrowhead Stadium for the Eddie Robinson Football Classic. Mm -hmm. And it was about eight gajillion degrees outside. It was the hottest I've ever been in my whole life. <laughs> And, uh, uh, I mean, the band, there were people passing out left and right. There were football players passing out. I think somebody died at the guy. It was terribly hot. Um, but it was a very memorable first uh, introduction to Big Ten marching. So I was at that game, and it was brutal. Brutal, yeah. I think, I, I think we sat about 20 rows from the field, and, yeah, it was, it was just awful. Well, in terms that, of the heat and humidity. 
yeah, and that that stadium is like a big magnifying glass with red seats, and it just mm-hmm. it's about 120 on the field, and it's August, and lordy, it was mm-hmm. hot. Uh, I, that that was a very and it was the first. I believe that somebody's going to come and tell me I'm wrong, but I believe that's the reason that uh, the band now has t-shirts. They're doing, I think, polo shirts, uh, but we had the Hawaiian ones. We debuted the Hawaiian ones the the next year. Um, But I believe it's because we were so overheated wearing our full uniforms at that game. Yeah. So you guys didn't have like t-shirts every year then? No, sir. Interesting. That game that made that happen. Okay. Because it was rough. (laughs) It was really and it, it just, I mean, they had all the trainers and things that had those big fans out on the field that blew water and people were bringing ice down and they let us take our, our uniforms off. It was a big deal at the time because we'd never done that before. I guess they'd never done that before. It was my first game, so I didn't know. But uh, they let us take our uniform tops off during the game and we sat there in just our bibs because it was brutal outside. So, oh, yeah. And I've always, so I lost my, my Hawaiian shirt. So this is my, my plug if anybody has one of the Hawaiian shirts from the early aughts that they want to get rid of. Send it to this girl. <laughs> and then pet band. I mean, we had great pet band shows. I have great, I have great fun doing pet band. I love that we're doing it as alumni. Uh, the last alumni pet band game, I actually brought my clarinet and my mellophone, and I went between the two sections, had a ball. Face felt like I'd been punched, but. <laughs> I love playing Birdland on clarinet. That's a really fun one to play on, on clarinet. Birdland is top tier for me. Oh, what a great song. That's a great tune. Yeah, absolutely. All day. There's some good mellophone licks. Um, I don't know if it's Birdland specifically, but there are some pep band songs that like just little, some little runs at the end. That, I'll tell you where a good mellophone lick is, is in Carry On, My Wayward Son. That's it. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. And we're like that. We're like, you don't even know we're there. And then pretty soon we have some little thing. And you're like, hey, all right, Melly. It's all right. Mm-hmm. We've got it yeah. in Hey Jude. We take the first, the, we're the first ones back in in Hey Jude. And we, um, you know, my son's middle name is Jude. That's, that's what that meant to me. Well, that's awesome. So we have a, a Hayden Brown and a, and a Jude. That's fantastic. <laughs> Can I ask you guys a question? Sure. Sure. What is your, I, I, I was interested in this favorite show. What was your favorite show? I think without question, my favorite one was 1989 when we did the 1812 show. We opened with Battle Hymn. We ended with 1812. We did it the week before at Northwestern and then the following weekend did it at home against Illinois. We had fireworks going off, probably scared the crap out of everybody in the hospital. Um, But it was also a nationally televised game and just nobody saw coming what we, what we were bringing and the fight, uh, the marching lion and I were there too. And it's like, you guys don't stand a chance. We, we had a lot of really good shows when I was there. I'm thinking of like, uh, we did a Boston show in 09. We did Earth, Wind, and Fire my freshman year in 08. I think the most memorable performance would have been the 09 Indiana game. We did Michael Jackson. We did Thriller. If you remember 09 Indiana, that was where Indiana was up on Iowa. Ricky Sanzi threw like three or four picks that day. And... The Daily Iowa the next day uh, had a little comment about how the Hawkeye marching band kind of got the crowd back into it because, like, we were dead. The crowd was dead because the game was not going well. But, you know, it's Halloween day, and the 
bands out there doing the thriller dance choreographed by Chelsea Russell and the student sections all dressed up in costumes to watch the game and we're doing the thriller dance you know we got the arms up we're spinning on the ground we're zombie walking to end it out and that was the first time and really the only time I can remember the crowd jumping to their feet after a halftime performance and so there's a little bit more energy in the crowd and then come the second half the crowd's cheering on the team and Suddenly, fortunes reverse themselves, and you get the Tyler Sash pinball six, where the, uh, the he somehow intercepts the ball behind the line, behind where it was thrown after it bounced off like five players' heads, and he takes it to the house for a touchdown, and suddenly we got things going a little bit. Uh, Ricky Stanzi throws a couple touchdown passes, uh, some long touchdown passes. I think there was a 40-some yarder to Marvin McNutt, an 87-yarder to DJK, and we get back into it and the Hawks end up winning the game. I think it was 42 to 24 uh, because the band was chanting palindrome, palindrome at the end of the game. And it just, it was a really great experience. Last, <laughs> That's amazing. Ricky Stanzi, an American hero. Love it or leave it. USA <laughs> number one. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great interview. Yeah, that's terrific. That's cool. So that's a good example of something that was debuted my year. I mean, it was uh, in 2000 is when, Caston's range thriller, you know, um, and that was my first year. And then you played it too. And that's amazing. That one was built for a marching band. It's gorgeous, beautiful, uh, terrific pick. Absolutely. So last year you, you did the cookout for homecoming. Um, so appreciative of that. It was great to gather with mm-hmm. everybody. Can you, can you talk a little bit about setting it up? Yeah. You know, um, interestingly, I'm getting old. Um, I didn't expect it either. <laughs> <laughs> Um, kind of snuck up on me. Um, but it occurred to me uh, a couple years ago that being out at beer band was maybe not my, my cup of tea as much as it used to be. And I wanted to, to still get together and, and, you know, circling back to this idea of family. Um, I, I wanted to get together with my, my extended family and sit around and talk and, and have a, have a, have a cookout. So, um, I just thought, you know, maybe I'll just throw it out there and see if people want to come and, uh, see how it goes after the parade. And those who still are, can hang with beer band could go out after, <laughs> afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, see, you're young. I'm old. I pay for it for weeks if I do that. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be able to function the next day. And anyhow, um, so I decided to have to have this event and it was really well received. I had a terrific time. It was fun to organize. I put a picnic for 120 people in my Honda. It was terrific. <laughs> um, but I hope that becomes more of a tradition because mm-hmm. I know that um, the folks who, who came over and, uh, and certainly for myself, we just had a nice time catching up and just like any family picnic and any, any group, we, we told those stories, you know, somebody else told me their experience with the catch, right? Cause we all had these different viewpoints. Um, and we, we ate and we talked and we, you know, told stories and it was terrific. So just another example of the band coming together, I think, and, and connecting and, um, I hope it can continue in the future because uh, it was fun. It doesn't always have to come like all out of my Honda. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for doing that. No problem. <laughs> and the junior, you know, the band, the current Hawkeye marching band, God, they sound good, don't they? I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I got to watch a rehearsal last year. Uh, we came for the alumni mentorship program. Uh, I cannot be more impressed with the sound of that band. Uh, the drum line. Pfft, blew me away. I was like, wow, you guys, 
this is this is intense, uh, especially compared to 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 my uh, my first year where it was a little like less competitive. And um, these are all A plus musicians, and uh, and the program looks great. So I love seeing it, and um, you know I look forward to more and more Hawkeye Marching Band and future alumni band members. Well, Laura, thank you so much for coming on. We've really appreciated your time, uh, and we've loved hearing your stories. We look forward to marching with you again soon or playing with you again in the pep band. Hey, it's been a real pleasure. And, uh, you know, I, I look forward to seeing everybody again, hopefully in person next year. Um, certainly continuing some amazing traditions and making new ones, uh, welcoming those new members of the band. And uh, you guys keep letting the, the oldies like us come back. And <laughs> I feel like it'll be a terrific time. Um, you know, and I just want to say to that band family and to the people who made it possible for me and and so many others you know it's it's meaningful me meaningful to me all these years later um castings didn't have to say come on to the band even though you've broken your hand to bits <laughs> you know he didn't have to let me do that and um you know he's a terrific person was terrific director uh legacies in good hands with mr bush and i think uh, the hockey marching band is continuing to be the best band in the land and Uh, Go Hawks. Go Hawks, indeed. That was Laura Seaver, and we will be right back with the Down and Off podcast. And thank you once again to Laura Sievert for sharing her stories and expertise with us. What, what an amazing story about the band family, John. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. So as we bring episode four to a close, let's look back on what Laura shared. What did you learn today, John? Two things. Um, one, to the point of band family, um, just it was a reminder of how important our band family is. Um, us as alumni and how we can try to remain connected to the current band members. Um, you know, they, they want to be connected to us. We've, we've learned that as members of the alumni band board. Uh, they, they know they have an opportunity to learn from us and someday they're going to be done as current students and current band members. And it's going to be up to us to welcome them into the alumni band family with open arms. So just keep that close to your heart, um, in terms of how important this band family is. I don't know what I would have done, um, without, my band family is a current student at various times, as you heard when we were talking to Laura as an alum. So it's just very important. The other thing that I actually learned that I thought was really cool was that she started as a clarinet player and moved over to mellophone almost, I think from scratch, it sounded like. So, you know, just having to learn a brand new instrument and just take it on head on and do well with it. I thought that was really cool. Tim, what did you learn today? Well, before I jump into what I learned, I, I want to echo what you said about the uh, the band family being so important. Absolutely. That, that's why we're here. That's why we come back to homecoming. That's why we stay in touch. Um, who are we? HMB. We're a family. Absolutely. Um, I really liked the pairing of guests uh, over the last two uh, episodes where it's going to be one episode, you know, that um, Jeff didn't make marching band his freshman year. And Laura didn't even have to try out her freshman year. Uh, mm-hmm. Just interesting, you know, um, parallels there. And mm-hmm. uh, both of them as well. You know, Jeff, uh, I talked about in the last episode that he uh, didn't let that get him down, that he continued to push. And I want to, you know, what I learned from Laura was 
how much hard work she's put in, how much that's paid off over the last couple of years, going out on her own to design homecoming t-shirts, going out on her own to set up a hot dog uh, grill out after the homecoming parade for, you know, a hundred marching band folks to come up and eat some hot dogs and connect. It's just any one of us can step up and do something if we put our mind to it. Um, Mm -hmm. So if you have an idea for the marching band, yeah, jump in Mm -hmm. and do something. Mm -hmm. Um, It's all really cool, really cool experience. And a lot of that credit goes to the, you know, what she does for a living. I mean, she is working on raising awareness in the arts community in Quincy, Illinois, and doing a wonderful job with it. And uh, she knows how to go out and connect with people and build relationships and things like that. So hats off to Laura. Absolutely. Well, folks, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, If you missed it, we did drop an episode last week with alumni band director, drum major Jeff Sybil. Go back and check out his tales from the band and a recap of Homecoming. Again, we feel so privileged to be able to do this podcast and share Hawkeye Marching Band stories with all of you. If you have any feedback, any ideas or stories you'd like to share, please reach out. You can find us at iowaalumniband at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Down and Off Pod or keep an eye on the Alumni Band Facebook page. And you can find our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are found. He is John Brown. I am Tim Clay. Thank you all for listening on Iowa. Go Hawks!